Devin, uh, I won't be getting any roaming charges uh, on my phone out in the middle of nowhere. But um, anyway, it's really great to be here. Um, why don't we bow for a word of uh, prayer? If you can pray for me, uh, I just got back late from uh, our college fall retreat last night, so I'm kind of running on uh, retreat adrenaline here. So you can ask that God would strengthen me uh, and that this word uh, would really um, strike a chord in us uh, where we are uh, in our place in this ministry. So let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we turn to you now, to your holy word. Uh, Thank you that in love, uh, that you've given us these scriptures to not just instruct us on the way to live, uh, but to remind us of your unfailing love for us, uh, that we are not alone, uh, to figure things out for ourselves in our individual lives, nor are we alone uh, to try to chart these unknown waters as a church. Uh, God, we're so thankful for the book of Acts uh, that lays a blueprint for us. What a healthy, spiritually fruit-bearing church looks like. And God, we know that we're in a different time and place, and uh, we look nothing like this, God, but we can learn so much, we can find so much encouragement, uh, and we can be challenged as well uh, to rise above uh, what we may uh, at times uh, sell ourselves short about uh, as far as doing ministry. So, Lord, in this place, God, we're reminded of the gospel, uh, that uh, in Jesus uh, there's free forgiveness of sins, uh, that our past has been wiped away, and our present is marked by purpose, and our future is glorious and is guaranteed uh, in eternity with you. Uh, but, Lord, in the here and now, uh, you've called our church to live according to the mission of the kingdom of God. But we cannot do that apart from you, Lord. And so through this word, uh, remind us of the vital importance of prayer uh, and move us with conviction uh, and encouragement to pray uh, as you have taught us to. Uh, So we thank you so much. Uh, Receive our very prayers today and uh, inhabit uh, our worship. And may we live in in the boldness that you provide. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the early period uh, of of the church in the book of Acts was truly a remarkable Uh, anointed time where we see God using his people in a mighty way. Uh, As we've been going through this, it's just wonderful to see that God would band together a ragtag group of unworthy men, disciples, and their families to do the glorious work of expanding the kingdom and paving the way for generations of the church to come. And as we're striving to learn from their example, there are a few things we need to realize that what happened in the book of Acts are so much more than just a record of historical events, things that just happen to uh, coincidentally take place with one event leading to the next. And granted, a lot of great things happened, but it wasn't just a string of good luck uh, as one might be tempted to think. You know, just think about our individual lives. Sometimes there'll be stretches of days and a period of season where things just happen to go well, along with times where things don't go well at all. You know, at school, some of you students, there'll be stretches where you get good grades, and you're like, this is great, but you know that along with the stretch of good grades comes bad grades uh, that you have to deal with. Sometimes with your family, uh, there are seasons where things go well, you know, kids are healthy, you're happy, but there are stretches where there's a lot of challenges, a lot of things to overcome. And I loved how my brother Mike talked about parking, because I'm using this as an example, and he's right. Right? Parking in the city is challenging. I have dents on the front and the back of my car to prove right, that it is a battle to find parking. And there are days where you find spots and you're like, I'm so blessed. You know, I don't have to pray and get on my knees to, to pray for, for something like that. And there are days you don't. 
And I know that uh, at times you have teams that you root for. I understand that Carson Wentz has been leading the Eagles on a very, very recent winning streak here you're all happy about. Uh, bless up, go, go for that, you know. But there are times when it's not so, uh, when we don't feel so lucky. But this was not the case for the early church in Acts. It wasn't a result of just good fortune or bad fortune. We see that the amazing things that happened in the early church was a result of the early Christians being devoted to prayer. They were tapped into the power of God by depending on Him on their knees in prayer. We've been working our way through Acts in chapter 1. We see them daily devoting themselves to prayer, even right after Jesus ascended and left them, praying for God to show them the way they should go, even to replace Judas in the apostleship. We see that in chapter 2, wonders and signs were being done in their midst. And even after all those things subsided, they met together to pray and so on and so on. The healings, the growth. God was working in their midst. There were people who were bowing in dependence. And this is a challenging message for us as a church and as a generation of believers. And particularly for us here at Renewal, even as we're getting this, uh, this new site started. And uh, I know there's a lot of work going on. Uh, a lot of planning, organizing, a lot of things to discuss. And it could be a temptation to become at times independent or self-sufficient and try to tackle things apart from depending on God for guidance as He is the one leading us. Especially when we face challenges, when things don't naturally go our way. For most of us, our instinct is to just sit down and try to solve the problems on our own rather than turning to God in prayer. Now, some of you know me, uh, I've given dozens of messages on prayer. Uh, sometimes it just seems to land on me, and that's fine. Uh, it's one of my favorite topics. Uh, but for me, it's fitting in that because I know that every time uh, I prepare to talk about prayer, I realize that I'm not perfect in prayer at all. In fact, every time uh, I study prayer and compare my prayer life to what the Scripture teaches, God exposes something in my prayer life every single time that needs to change. Lately, for me, it's been very difficult uh, to not see prayer as something more than just religious duty. You know, Christians are supposed to pray, right? Pastors, we're supposed to pray, right? When we hang out with congregants at the dinner table at a restaurant, we're looking around. Who's going to pray for the meal? The leader, the pastor. And they just kind of bow their heads, and they don't even ask. They're just waiting for, for us to pray. And maybe as a, some of you leading, uh, you get put in that spot too. You know when we're supposed to pray, Right? We come into a setting like this, as soon as the music starts playing, uh, the presider asks you to pray uh, for the confession uh, in between songs. And you get, we're conditioned to know that there are set times to pray in our lives, but what that does for us is that our, the temptation is to regulate prayer as to just something that's separate from what's connected to what we face on a day-to-day basis. Think about it. When you go through your workday, when you're sitting through class, and when you're dealing with things in your personal life, How connected is your prayer life to the things that you do, the way that you behave, uh, the way you interact with people, and the decisions you make for yourself, uh, for for your ministry, and for your family? Uh, And at times it can be very, very uh, difficult to do that uh, because for a lot of us who have been in the church for a long time, uh, prayer is something that is very, very obligatory. But as we just said, for the early church in the book of Acts, That was not the case at all. Everything they did, they prayed for. Everything they accomplished, it was done for no other reason than that God was working in their midst through their prayers. 
They depended on God for absolutely everything. And that's something we can learn from today. The spirit of, we need God for even the littlest thing in our lives. I just shared this a few minutes ago with the Sunday school teachers. But years ago, uh, I was on a mission project in Arizona on the Indian re- in the reservations. And I was working with this ministry, this parachurch group, that uh, really took this very, very seriously, that we need to depend on God for everything. And a few minutes ago, I mentioned about roaming charges on the phone. But this was years ago when uh, cell phone service was very weak. And I remember we held a prayer meeting to get one bar on our huge Nokia cell phones because it was blank. And I'm not kidding. We sat around. We held hands. We lifted our voices. God, give us one bar on our cell phone so we can call the host missionary. I had to hold back my laughter. I was like, are we actually praying for this? And, uh, and I look back at that and chuckle, but um, I, I look back and realize that I, I can learn from that hunger and dependence on God for absolutely everything in my ministry, uh, my day-to-day life and the decisions uh, I make through church. So as we observe the actions of Peter and John from the passage and the way that they were led to pray, let's learn uh, three important lessons about prayer. And um, if some of you guys have that uh, handout, you can fill this in. Number one, uh, prayer is always connected to the church. Number two, prayer is shaped by the scriptures. And number three, prayer is driven by mission. Okay, Connected to the church, shaped by the scriptures, and driven by mission. And so as we've, we've been uh, saying for a few weeks now, the importance of the community. Being a Christian, if you belong to Christ, it essentially means, it necessarily means that you belong to a local body of believers because nobody can exist, grow, or even deepen their prayer lives spiritually on their own. And the local body of believers, as we see in the example here, is where our prayer lives must thrive. So as was set up for us, Peter and John, they had been released from captivity. They were warned, threatened not to preach in Jesus' name, which they were doing openly on the streets just a day earlier. They were caught, they were questioned, and they were strongly threatened. Do not do this again. Do not speak in this name again. We do not want to deal with you. You saw what we did to your leader. We crucified him. And we're not afraid to do that to you. And so this power play goes on. They threaten them even more. And they realize there's there's nothing much more they can do besides just words and threats because they were so popular uh, with the people. So they dismiss them. And we see as Peter and John go back, they leave. What did they do? What was the first thing they did? What was their first response? We see right in verse 23. What they did, look with me. It says they went right to their friends. They went right to their, their community. The literal word for their friends there was they went to their own. Meaning a place where they belonged. Their beloved church community. Why? Because it's where they could go and immediately know that they're understood, they're loved, They're supported, especially in times of challenge, difficulty, and persecution. Can I ask you, is this what your church community is like? Where you know that any season that you go through, and especially when you're trying to live out your faith and serve God faithfully and difficulties and challenges come, that your circle of friends in your your church community, whether they're there as your ministry group or your community group, that you know that that you can bring even your deepest struggles and the things you, you wrestle with 
and the challenges you face, and you know that immediately there's a support of prayer that's going to be going on. This was important for the early church because in case they got too self-dependent or in case they got lonely or discouraged, they were able to come to the community. That if they were too proud, they could be brought back to earth. Or if they were discouraged, they could, their spirits could be lifted up. And that's why you see missionaries who, when they come back for a furlough and break, they need support groups at home for these very purposes and particularly for prayer. And so it's amazing here what happens. It's like as soon as they heard it, verse 24, they lifted their voices together to God. There was no waiting around. They didn't have to explain why they needed prayer. They didn't need to be heard out. It was just lifted up. You know, like at times at, uh, at Renewal, when we do prayer meetings, it's like you sit there and you have to listen to someone explain their prayer topic sometimes for five, ten minutes in order to know what to pray for. It just goes on and on and on. But that was not the case in the culture for what happened in the book of Acts. They saw the challenge and they just, it just so, rah, just the prayer just came bursting out because they knew that there was no, no more talking involved. Prayer meetings just happened. You didn't have to schedule it because that was their instinctive response to these issues. Now, how about you? How do you operate in your life? Do you understand that the work of God, His call for you, doesn't happen through you by yourself? That apart from a deep spiritual connection, a rich connection to a group where you know that prayer is going on, that we really can't do anything. And even in these weeks, as this, uh, this congregation is getting launched, much prayer has been going into it, and that's great. It's great to pray together, because it reminds us that we're helpless apart from God. Even in the provision of this building and just the, the people that are coming out, what can we do unless God is working in our midst through prayer? And we know that even when things don't appear humanly right, if we're connected to God in prayer, we have a deep-seated peace knowing that God does know what he's doing, which we'll get to in our second point here. But that was that, what that community was all about. We need a place to go where community is much more than just cordial, casual. We're in each other's lives. There's openness. We're not hiding anything. And particularly in a time where it's difficult to be a Christian, we need the church. Some of you very, may very well in your workplaces might find it challenging to wear your faith on your sleeve. When you go around and, and you're asked what you do over the weekend, where do you spend all your time? Right? It's not always easy to profess that you're, you're sold out for your church ministry and the bulk of your time goes into devoting yourself to the community. And there may be once in a while pushback, uh, at times feeling small, uh, feeling discouraged because that's not the accepted way to live your life. But this is what they faced in the church, the early church, they were unified. And God's prayer, God's heart for the church expressed through the prayer of Jesus was being fulfilled. If you remember, uh, in the last days when Jesus was on earth, one of the prayers on his heart was this. Father, make the church one as I am one with you. And that prayer was not easily fulfilled. It took the hatred of the world it took persecution to do that in order for hearts to be united. And this makes total sense because one of the sad parts of serving the church is that there are a lot of days when the church is divided. Right? And uh, not just maybe just one particular church, but Christians in general due to different political views, convictions, even preferences about what the vision of a church is. The sad part and the reality is 
that there are a lot of occasions and a lot of times when we feel disconnected from the unity of what the church should be. But what does God often do to unify the church in such situations? We go through hard times. We go through opposition. And it binds hearts together to cry out to God in unison. It reminds me of uh, when I used to work with teenagers in youth ministry. Right? Um, I learned a lot about this phenomenon called teenage drama. Right? Uh, it's very, very real. Uh, and when you work with a group of teens, especially the, the group I was working with, I mean, there was usually drama going on. Uh, a couple of teens at any given time, they wouldn't really like each other, and they would show it. They don't hide it. You know? And uh, this would happen. This would go on until they have a reason uh, to become friends, and usually that's because a third teenager comes along that they don't like mutually. And all of a sudden, they're happy together. It's really confusing. You have to really stay in their lives to uh, keep up with uh, who's friends with who. And this, this goes on and on and on. And you see that a common fight you know, um, brings even enemies uh, together. And perhaps in God's divine wisdom, uh, that's what happens. In order for God to rally uh, believers to be one heart, a bold praying church always sticks together for all things regarding life, mission, spiritual fight against sin. And we can ask ourselves, what would look different if that's what went on in our lives? Think about uh, some of your families. If uh, your husband or wife or your kids come home and uh, they're just unloading their burdens, instead of just sitting around, just listening, trying to fix the problem, if your instinct was to turn to God in prayer, what would change? If a group of friends you met with regularly, and uh, especially depending on how close you are, you're sharing your burdens, talking about the things that are difficult for you. What if, instead of just sitting there trying to make each other feel better with a nice meal or going out to a bar or watching entertainment, instead, your heart was to say, right now, let's turn to God, who alone provides everything we need, hope, confidence, faith, and even a way out. What if that's what our community was marked by? What would be different? And how would it look different? Even as your community groups are getting kicked off. In the early times, we were just trying to get used to each other, get to know each other. What if there was a culture of prayer to be the foundation of our communities? Where we walk into this room, and even though uh, they may feel like strangers, there's this sense where because we are brothers and sisters in the same community of Christ, that our heart is to pray. Our desire is to pray. And we're connected by prayer. And it requires that we open up, obviously, to use wisdom and discernment in that regard. But may this example for us of the early church um, be what we build our friendships and communities on. Secondly, we look at uh, prayer as being shaped by the scriptures. Verse 24, we see that their prayer started by crying out, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. So right from the beginning, you see that these early disciples, the early church, they knew exactly who they were praying to. And this is important. Because think about the way we pray sometimes. Why do we pray? Uh, as hard as it is to pray and hard as it is to make time for prayer, we're driven by circumstances, needs. God, I'm tired. So I was praying all weekend. God, I'm tired. Give me strength. God, I'm weak. Help me. God, I don't know what to do. 
provide for me. God, I need this, I need that. God, I'm feeling this way, do this for me. And at times, if we try to do our prayer lives that way, there are occasions to pray and there are occasions not to pray. But the way we see the early church praying here is much different. They started with God, understanding who they were praying to first, and they said, Sovereign Lord, which is uh, the translation for the Greek word despot, which means ruler with absolute authority and control. So they start their prayer off by acknowledging that God was sovereign and in absolute control over all that was happening, holding everything together by the authority and the power of His Word. It was their theology, what they knew and believed about God that restored confidence and comfort in their prayer. And that is always the first step in prayer. Okay? So if you're struggling with your prayer life today, maybe it's because I just I don't have a lot to pray for. I don't feel like praying. You know, um, uh, There hasn't been a lot of results in prayer in the past. Uh, it's difficult for me to feel like praying at times. But uh, for these disciples, it was both the challenge of what was going on and the conviction that came from understanding who God was that drove them, that fueled them, and empowered them. I'm, I'm glad we're going through, uh, at both sites, the Lord's Prayer through uh, our weekly confession, uh, confession of prayer, because there's nothing like that prayer that reminds us that when we pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that when we pray, we're not talking to a friend. You know, it's like, hey, I'm talking here, can you listen? Uh, or a counselor where you're, where you know they're listening and you're trying to spell out your problems and your struggles, yet there's this doubt in the back of your mind whether they really, really understand or can provide the right answers for you. We're not talking to even our mom or dad who may understand or may provide the right answers, but uh, you're fearful that you, know, you may not be on the best terms with them at times. But in a prayer like when we say our Father in heaven or sovereign Lord, we know that we're not talking to a human being. We're talking to the God of the universe. And they go on. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so theologically in their minds, they're made this connection that because God created everything, He also controls everything. Maybe just even this week coming up, if you just start your daily prayers with God, you're the creator of everything and you control everything. See how that drives your prayer, whatever you bring to God during that prayer time that day. Just understanding that everything has come about because of God's creative work and that His sovereign control causes creation to function and He sustains your life. See how that empowers your prayer. And they did that. That determined the kind of prayer they prayed as well as the level of boldness. And for them, it was so much more than just prayer being like forcing yourself to think positively or some exercise of meditation. Like so many people, even outside of the church, they make prayer out to be today. It's not that at all. We are in fellowship with and in communion with the very one whose hands and voice spoke creation into being. And not only that, but look beyond now. In verse 25 and 26 where we see now that the scriptures shape their prayer. What are they doing here? Right? You, if you notice in verse 25 and 26, it's in quotations. And so even back then, it's, this is remarkable in that they didn't have printed Bibles back then. It was probably old parchment scrolls that were ripped up, passed on. And a lot of uh, the Old Testament was passed on through word of mouth. So a lot of memorization took place. 
But it's amazing that in this place of prayer, they would recall to mind Psalm 2, which was exactly what they needed in this circumstance to give them hope and encouragement in prayer. So they, they, they said it, they quoted it together. Who through the mouth of our father David, verse 25, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is King David in a messianic psalm having a vision of what would happen when Jesus came to die for our sins. That here, the kings of the earth and the rulers of the world were raging against the Lord's anointed, but it was all in vain. In fact, the language there is that God's anointed will look at this and laugh because it was in vain. You have no shot. You have no chance against the God of the universe. And he made the connection there, these apostles as they were praying, that this was describing what had just took place in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And they knew that even when the council of religious leaders were bringing threats against them, that that too would be in vain. Those threats would fall flat to the ground and they would be on the victorious side. And that's why they prayed. And it's amazing, these words spoken hundreds of years ago, that they would make that connection right then and there, that what they were facing was just an extension of the opposition, the spiritual battle, the cosmic spiritual battle that was taking place through all of history. And so as far as they were concerned, verse 28, God's hand was mighty and would accomplish everything. And they were so convinced of that, and two verses later they said, Lord, stretch out your hand, as mighty as your hand has been for us. You've been with us. Whatever your hand had predestined to take place, now this very hand stretched out and performed the signs and wonders that we need. It came straight from the Word. And we can learn a lot about their example here. I don't know, what kind of challenges do you face in your day-to-day life for being a Christian? You know, Maybe you're at a workplace where a lot of uh, people around you are resorting to uh, deceptive ways uh, to, to get ahead. Maybe in school, uh, you see classmates cheating, uh, cutting corners. Uh, you see people uh, compromising their morals to get what they want. And you're sitting there as one who belongs to Christ saying, I can't participate in such actions. And maybe it's a struggle. And it's not easy to always choose what's right. It's not always too easy to obey and be faithful to the ways of God. Let alone declaring that you're a Christian uh, to ones who may seemingly mock it. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where uh, someone says something very rude or snarky about Christianity and uh, you're sitting there struggling with the uh, desire to or whether you should speak up or not. I I know I've been there a couple of times myself. It's not easy. But instead of shrinking back or being fearful or not responding at all, maybe we can take the example of the early church and look to the Word. There's a very, very encouraging passage in John 15, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus is encouraging his disciples, saying, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, the world hates you. No servant is above his master. And we see that they're not alone. And they can expect to get the same treatment. And Jesus, in a different setting, says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those 
who persecute you. And a word like that can really, really, really raise the level of faith and confidence in what we do for God. What about another situation where you feel defeated and weak in a habitual sin? Maybe it's a sin that, uh, that's hidden in the dark. Right? Whether it's of a sexual nature, uh, in your thought life, an anger issue, or any other kind of addiction that you can't kick. We can easily feel weak, hopeless, and, and resign ourselves to defeat. Or we can turn to a passage like 2 Corinthians 12, one of my favorite passages, where Paul is talking about how God deals with him in weakness. And he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And you don't feel deflated and defeated all the time. But we're content even when the most difficult times come. So we turn to the Word as Peter and John did. And this is really encouraging to think because I don't know, I've read the book of Acts a lot. Uh, and it's inspiring to read, but sometimes they strike me as crazy people. They're just going out doing wild things and this idea of zeal without knowledge, you know, it's a way that um, definitely we don't want to catch ourselves living by. But we see that they were not crazy people at all. They had amazing theology. Their ministry, uh, their behavior, their hopes were rested on what they believed and knew from the Word. So I encourage you all, uh, and particularly in this season of our church, let's be in the Word. Let's derive confidence, wisdom, spiritual sensitivity, and most importantly, understanding the heart of God through His Word so that every decision, uh, uh, every meeting, uh, all of our efforts uh, to be a faithful witness where God has placed us will be shaped by what, we, what our minds uh, really gain, the wisdom we gain from uh, the very Word of God. We have to be careful that good theology doesn't lead to intellectual pride, uh, which is a very, very big danger. Instead, it's the opposite. It leads to humility and bold prayer. And may that be what marks the prayers of our church. And finally, prayer is driven by mission. By mission. So after quoting Psalm 2, this is their prayer. And now, Lord, having understood that you're sovereign and in control, understanding that we're in this together. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants what? Deliverance? Safety? Uh, Death to our enemies? Or maybe not death, just kind of delete them, (laughs) get them out of the way. Sometimes when we have difficult relationships, conflicts, we just want people to disappear. And sometimes we might want that. Did they pray for that? No. They pretty much asked that God would keep them in that situation. And that their heart, their attitude would change. And instead of losing boldness, that they would gain boldness. See, in, to them, as far as they were concerned, the threats didn't phase them for their mission because the mission was central. The mission was paramount. It was everything. If they didn't have this mission, they had no reason to live. And that's what drove them to cry out to God. Not to take them away to a safer place, a quiet place of rest, you know, a place where they can just relax and not worry about uh, things that are hassles, but they prayed that they could stay there and be bold. 
just as Jesus did, remembering his prayer, not my will but yours be done. And I love just how their prayer is structured here in verse 29 to 30 because what they're, what they're uh, basically praying here is, is this simply. God, you do your work while we do our work. Or they're praying, God, you do your work and help us to do our work, which is a very, very biblically mature way to apply the sovereignty of God because the temptation is, God, you're sovereign anyway. You're going to do what you want to do anyway. Let us just sit back and watch you do it. No. We see that what they understood about God's sovereignty is that as God does His mighty work of stretching out His hand, in verse 30, to perform signs, wonders, performed through the name of Your holy servant Jesus, they prayed in verse 29, God, help us to do our part to continue to speak Your word with all boldness. So God, help us to do our part. John Stott, a commentator of this verse, uh, this chapter, says, We have seen the apostles in the council. Now we see them in the church. Having been bold in witness, they were equally bold in prayer because the two were connected. It all came hand in hand. And that's what we ought to pray for. You know? It's so easy to just want to, the problems to just go away. On Friday night at our college retreat, um, we stayed at a hotel about two blocks away from uh, our worship site, and uh, one of the pastors had a really great idea. Uh, Make them all walk, all 150 of them, from from the the worship site. And this was at like midnight. They were all walking together, and uh, the the guest speaker and I were sharing a room, and we tried to sleep at a decent hour, and we needed to sleep. Um, But man, right around 1 a.m., man, it was the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life, just it sounded like a spring break party. I don't know what was going on. I thought I was dreaming. And it was like, all I could do was just sit there and say, God, make them go away. I know it's a retreat, but make them go away. <laughs> Silence. That would be nice. Lord, somehow teleport me home. and Get me away so I can have a stress-free, relaxing weekend. Um, but um, realizing that that is a temptation sometimes. I just want things to disappear and want just the escape route at times. I'm really, really challenged by the attitude of the heart of the church here. Instead of making, wanting to make the problems go away, it's like, God, give me the strength to deal with this and deal with it in a godly way. And thankfully, God knocked me out and I actually got sleep, which is very, very surprising. And uh, I was able to uh, get through and even enjoy and, and really, really um, effectively minister throughout the day. But that's what God essentially does for us. He puts us in situations where we may be tempted to run away. But we mature by realizing we have to stay. And when we stay, we grow. We get stronger. We develop Christ-like character. And God develops things in us that we could not gain if we were in an easy situation. And that's why the church often goes through times of testing. Because the promise of James is that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, which develops character. And character is important. In church, we need character to properly represent Christ wherever we honor our lives. I remember this quote a youth group student shared with me years ago through a book. The sister was going through a hard time and at home and different things going on. And she shared it in an email with our, our ministry saying, you know, guys, that lately I've been carrying a heavy load on my back. There's difficulties with, with my family and uh, situation, and, uh, all, oh, whoa, sorry, all sorts of things. Um, 
And I've been asking God so long to lighten this load on my back. But I learned that I should ask God not for a lighter load, but for a stronger back to carry the load. And that sunk in for me a lot um, because um, we often get it backwards. We don't think that God's going to do stuff for us. He's just going to work in the circumstances around us. But hard times come so that the inner work of sanctification and preparation for greater works becomes more effective. And that's why we say, not my will but yours be done. And that's why we pray, driven by mission. God, if your will for us is to stay here, endure these obstacles, and put up with things, and so be it. You don't have to make it easier, but give me the strength and wisdom to thrive, to be a good witness, and to be a blessing in the midst of it all. And believe me, I'm learning that over and over and over and over again. To learn to be a lot more mature in the way I view life's hard circumstances and to pray in a way that honors God and believe that His will for me and for our church is best. And I don't know better than God. He's wise, uh, he's sovereign, and to question God and to fight God is an act of futility because we'll lose every time. God has his way, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see from verse 31 on, uh, the early church got it right because God responded to that prayer. I mean, look at this, verse 31, the place was shaken. I mean, I take this word as it is, the building shook. It moved. The ground shook. Um, And one early church father wrote this, John Chrysostom, the place was shaken so that the believers would be unshaken. The assurance of God's presence there because throughout the Old Testament, any time there was an earthquake, it meant that God was there about to do a mighty work in their midst and answer prayers. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago uh, was preached the, the the passage on the Pentecost where uh, the Spirit came in a mighty way. This wasn't a repeat of that. This was a special filling in response to their prayer so that they can be emboldened for their mission. And at times God would grant us, even though we're indwelt by the Spirit when we believe in faith, but at times there will be a special, fresh filling for us when we need God's help to do His work, and we believe that God does that for us. Uh, And thirdly, their prayer was answered. They... You will read on and throughout the sermon series that they never held back. They would do even greater things for God. They would be jailed multiple times. Uh, and a lot of them would be martyred uh, for the sake of the gospel. Now let me say this. Uh, when we pray for boldness, uh, boldness in the biblical sense is not what, may, what we may necessarily think. Boldness isn't fighting back uh, and asserting your opinions and views in a hostile way. You know, boldness isn't us trying to put our foot down and trying to win the fight and put others down. That's not boldness the way we see it. It's not uh, mean-spirited. It's not malicious. Uh, it's not us trying to get our way and returning evil for evil. No. We, in fact, we see the opposite here. It's staying faithful to the message. It's staying true uh, to God's heart. Uh, boldness is being like Christ when being like Christ is the last thing you want to do, uh, when it's the least accepted thing. And we know you can do that. Uh, That's the fruit of the prayer like this. God causing you to stand firm uh, when life gets hard. So with great power, verse 33, if you jump ahead, they kept going. 
they were generous with one another, all because they stayed faithful to the mission. And I'm so thankful for uh, this new congregation and even some of the new things in RCF back, uh, back in um, West Philly. God's doing a lot of things. Um, a couple of our campuses have been really, really growing uh, and putting the leaders in a spot where we have to scramble to figure out what to do with all these students coming out, wanting, wanting a community, wanting to learn more about God. And we need a lot of prayer. <laughs> We've been praying a lot for wisdom. Uh, and I see our student leaders growing in the process and Perhaps even here, it's an opportunity for you all to really, really, really grow and understand that without a mission in your life, Christ's mission in your life, there aren't really opportunities to experience answer prayer in the way it's spelled out for us here. If we're living for ourselves, God answers a prayer here and there, it's fine, but it's just a matter of time before what you get isn't what you realize you really want or need. But when its prayers are aligned with God's great commission, you see God responding to those prayers, and it's amazing uh, what it does to your faith. It's amazing how you want much more of God's work to be done in your midst. Uh, if you happen to be here and you're not a Christian, uh, maybe this uh, could be a message you can relate to, uh, this idea of prayer. You know? Um, I know a lot of unbelievers ask for prayer. <laughs> uh, a lot of people on social media, uh, whether they believe in God or not, they'll post things like prayers lifted up for the hurting and the unfortunate. And um, despite what they may believe or not about prayer, they, some people really look at prayer as something that, uh, that has power, uh, despite what they, their lack of knowledge of what's behind that power. But what we read in this passage here, and if you're hearing this sermon for the first time and hearing about the gospel for the first time, is that we believe in a God who's in control of all things. We don't pray in vain. We don't pray in vain hope that things will work out in our favor. Uh, we pray to a God that we believe whose will and work will be done with or without us. And we believe that that will is best. And whether what we humanly want gets fulfilled or not, we're at peace believing that God in his great authority, love, and wisdom will bring us to where we belong. And so that's why we're at peace. And we encourage you to put your faith in him. And we as a community around you uh, will be praying right next to you. And anyone who's struggling with prayer here as well, Maybe you can be reminded today that there's a God who does have the power and the love and the willingness to listen and act because it's all for Him. And when we live for Him, uh, we experience in that firsthand. Um, what does this mean for us practically? Obviously, mission, mutual care, reaching out to one another, uh, those are very, very important things. Um, but maybe one thing we can immediately put into practice here is just having just a regular practice of praying for one another. Uh, And this is something I requested um, last week at West Philly is please pray for the leadership, particularly the the leadership, um, the session, uh, our brothers uh, meeting together. Uh, I know Sam, Tim, Joe, and Juan, they're meeting faithfully together, uh, uh, just planning, um, really deciding what's best for the future direction of the church. We can't just sit back and expect them to come up with all the right answers unless we're praying for them, Uh, praying for God's hand upon them to empower them, lead them so that we can follow them as they're following after Christ. Pray for whoever's up here preaching week by week because giving a sermon requires a lot of energy, time, and preparation. You know, sometimes we may think that Dwight, Luke just come up and the sermon just pop out out of thin air. No, there's hours of reading, studying, thinking, planning, editing, some Sundays right to the last minute. <laughs> um, 
the work of ministry, the work of preaching is a spiritual ministry. And um, coming here comes requires a prepared heart, uh, but the spirit who works through the word. Right? So it's not a speech, it's not a presentation. Um, it's the voice of God, the ministry of the word. Uh, hearts are being convicted to change, uh, to confess our sins, and to commit more of ourselves to God. So please pray for the weekly preachers. Uh, and uh, anything you gain, uh, it's not because of them, not because of us, humanly, um, but what God has, uh, has spoken through, uh, imperfect, flawed speakers. Pray for your community group leaders, um, giving up their time, uh, just like you. Um, you know, weeknights can be, are nights to look forward to, to rest, uh, but the preparation, finding a place to host, going through the discussion, that's work. But can we all be in support of one another? so that our community group meetings are spiritual ministries as well. We know that people need community. A lot of people come to CGs lonely, feeling disconnected from God and from the church, from people. Uh, and they, some people drive to community groups really desperately wanting uh, just to be noticed, to be prayed for. And you never know how someone's life can change in one Bible study. So please pray for that. And pray that the leader can lead the discussion in a way that's encouraging that's in line with the Word and can lead a very, very meaningful prayer time. And all the eating, all that stuff, all the fun stuff, um, the, the fellowship that takes place will be what we heard before. Just a practice of our fellowship with God where hearts are being built up. You know, at the end of the day, again, we can do nothing apart from God. Um, John 15 reminds us that He is the vine, we are the branches. If we remain in Him and He remains in us, we will bear much fruit. And then we never forget that apart from Him, we can do no good thing. And so even as God is doing wonderful things in our church lately, you know, people being reached out, this congregation being started and growing, lives being changed, may it never be said of us that these things are happening because the people there know what they're doing, they're smart, they're experienced, they're good at what they do, they're gifted, and though that's all fine, but may that not be what people notice. May what really sticks out May it be said of us, and as God looks upon us from heaven above, that what really is communicated by the way we do church is that we know how to pray. And just by walking in here, uh, people sense that uh, it's God working through this church because uh, we're constantly depending on Him. We're desperate for Him. Uh, we know Him. God knows us. He loves us. And God chooses by his appointed means, to bring salvation uh, to the city, uh, to the world, to the ends of the earth as his saints uh, get on their knees and they pray. May we truly ignite a gospel-spreading movement as we pray without ceasing, uh, with right theology, praying together, and with his mission on our hearts. Uh, I'll just end by reading you this quote uh, from Daryl Bach. Uh, He wrote a very meaningful uh, uh, commentary on the book of Acts. In sum, this prayer is an expression of complete dependence on God, a recognition of His sovereignty, a call for God's justice and oversight in the midst of opposition, for an enablement for mission, and for the working of His power to show that God is behind the preaching of the name of Jesus and healing and signs. It is a mark of success for the community that in preaching the Word, its members have walked the path of Jesus and have suffered rejection. The reliance on God the resting in God's justice, the willingness to suffer persecution, the desire to preach Jesus, 
and the call to God to show himself. All are signs of a healthy community. The presence of rejection and opposition is not a surprise, nor is it sought out, but suffering is embraced when it comes from God. And friends, turning to God leads to boldness. Would you bow with me in prayer? Why don't we rise together as we just respond in these closing moments um, uh, in response to his word. Um, Maybe right now, um, without uh, making this prayer topic too complicated, uh, maybe we can search our hearts and um, especially for struggling to pray, whether you in your individual life or you're struggling to pray with people with your uh, family, uh, with your friends, the people you live with, uh, the people you regularly see? What is it uh, that makes your heart to pray? Uh, Are you so focused on the reason you have to pray, the need, the petition? Or are you driven by the revelation of who God is in His Word, His mission, and the fact that we're all in this together? Maybe there's a disconnect, and maybe there's a discrepancy there. And I'll allow you now for a minute to bring that before God maybe in a a moment of confession and and repentance and turning. Say, Lord, would you change my mindset, uh, change my heart attitude according to what this word says to me. So let's pray for a few minutes and uh, lift up our prayers uh, to the Lord. Maybe lately there's been many, many times of testing. Uh, and um, maybe the temptation have been just to wait it out, to wait till it disappears. Uh, maybe you've been asking God for uh, easier circumstances, uh, whether for your life or for this church. Um, but what Acts points us to is the fact that God uses those very challenges to strengthen our prayer life, to band our hearts together uh, so that we gain wisdom, uh, we gain humility, uh, we, we grow closer to the heart of God. And in some miraculous way, that even in these very, very challenging times, uh, sometimes even when we don't know what we're doing, that God's using that to win people for his glory. Because we're not flaunting ourselves. We're pointing people to the one who holds all things together in his sovereignty and who loves us dearly. And that's why in every meeting, in every sermon, in every gathering, we remind people of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very precious message that we're built on, that for sinners undeserving, by the grace the unfailing, amazing, unconditional grace of God. We have life, eternal life. We have a reason to live. And that's much better than living for something else because all else will crumble and fade. Every other kingdom will fade away. Only the kingdom of God will remain through the ages. So let's ask God now for a new perception, uh, maybe a healthier attitude, and a more humble, dependent, prayer, prayerful, prayerful approach 
to every challenge that we face, whether it's persecution, uh, whether it's uh, difficult people, uh, and whether it's challenges that we face. Let's acknowledge uh, that God is drawing out deeper prayers from our hearts and invite Him, God, whatever you need to do, do your thing, do your work, and give me the strength to do my part. Help me to be faithful, but I can only be faithful because you were first faithful to me. Let me to rest in that and let me surrender. Let's pray that and we'll uh, close with a song together. Our great God, thank you that indeed you are the sovereign Lord. Uh, You are seated on your throne. And in your great saving work, uh, God, you uh, took us from our own grave. Uh, You brought us to life. You made us alive in Christ. And now you've elevated us. You've seated us with you in the heavenly places. And God, we are one with you. That is grace beyond amazing. Thank you that that is a story for every single one of us. And any time our lives start to uh, lose its joy and excitement, Lord, remind us of what a great miracle it is that we will belong to the one who is so holy and so far removed from us, yet loves us so deeply, despite the ways we continue to fail and be stubborn and turn away. And God, having understood that now, Lord, we find such strength to pray prayers that are in line with this great work you've done for us. God, I pray for this congregation, Lord, that they would never, ever forget the gospel. They would never, ever forget your amazing mercies. Knowing that because you are this good, you love to listen to our prayers, and it's your heart to work through our prayers. So may we pray without ceasing, because we know we're nothing, we're helpless, and we're absolutely dependent on you. I pray for the leaders of the church. May they follow Christ as the church follows them. May they point all of us to the one who knows what he's doing because you are wise and this is your church ultimately. And God, give us all boldness even in the midst of challenges, especially when our faith is tested to believe that you're using all these things to perfect the image of Christ in us and to deepen our prayer life. And may we not run away. May we not pray for comfort or an easy way out. May we ask for strength. May we pray for stronger backs. May we pray for greater stamina, endurance, so that we can reach greater heights, run greater distances for the glory of our God. All for your name's sake, receive our worship and prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, sing in response.
Lord, we uh, lift our eyes up to you. Um, all these things we know, uh, because they're not made up, uh, but it's in your word. And the scriptures are life to us. Uh, they shape our prayers. Uh, they remind us what you're all about. And we want to be faithful, but that's so hard to do. Uh, so give us strength. Uh, give us your wisdom. Give us your love. Uh, give us your guidance. And lead us to where you would call us to go. We can't get there ourselves. We simply walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ every day of our lives until the enemy runs and the victory is won. All your promises are fulfilled and will be in eternal glory forever. Now may the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the precious love of God our Father, and the fellowship and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit uh, be upon all of you, a praying church who God uses to display his wonders, his power, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth, both now and forevermore. Amen. Uh, all right.